Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Here's your host, the Bitcoin Boomer himself, Gary Leland. And welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, known as the Bitcoin Boomer, and that's because I'm old. <laughs> that's because I'm a boomer. Now, this show is for anyone. You don't have to be a boomer to enjoy the show. It's just the Bitcoin Boomer Show because I'm the boomer. Anyone who's interested in Bitcoin will find this show helpful. We bring on guests to talk about Bitcoin, to educate you about Bitcoin, to make you aware of what Bitcoin is and what's happening in the world of Bitcoin. We're not trying to sell you any Bitcoin. That's not our goal. Our goal is to educate you by bringing on people who know more about Bitcoin than possibly I do and that I can learn from at the same time. I want to thank our producer, Stephanie. She's doing a great job as always. This year is season three, episode two. Thank you, Stephanie. Welcome. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. We're going to hopefully, hopefully season three turns out better than season two, which was definitely better than season one. So we're on kind of a roll now. Um, I do want to make sure you know that um, today's guest, tell them about today's guest, is Doug Morton from South Carolina. Doug Morton runs the South Carolina Bitcoin Initiative, I believe it is, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina Meetup, and many other things. Uh, you've done the research on Doug for us? Yeah. Okay, so, give us some kind of th clue here, what we're doing here. I know his name's Doug. So that's a good start. <laughs> that's a great start. <laughs> it's BTC Retail X is what I wrote down and Bruce Bitcoin. And I saw somewhere too that he might be working with an indigenous nation called Catawba. So that was interesting. If you can ask him that, I'm curious. That sounds like a good thing to ask him about. I'm sure that that has to do with the... Uh, the fact they can bring Bitcoin and use Bitcoin however they want to because they're a sovereign nation, just like uh, other tribes and other parts of the country have casinos where in Oklahoma, for instance, casinos are illegal, but sovereign nations can have casinos. So I'm sure maybe we're work they're working on the same angle on that. That'll be an interesting topic for sure. And Doug uh, runs BTC Retail X. He heads up the South Carolina Charleston, South Carolina, Bitcoin meetup group does a lot of things. And it's a big, uh, big in going to El Salvador, I believe, too. So please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Doug from BTCX Retail, Doug Morton. And we'll talk about Bitcoin. We'll talk about money. We'll talk about South Carolina. We'll talk about the sovereign nation. And I can't pronounce the name of the tribe, so I'm just saying the sovereign nation in South Carolina. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. I love coming to BitBlock Boom because it's like it's like Mecca for Bitcoiners. Like everybody here is like part of the hardcore like inner sanctum. Um, you just have these conversations with everybody where like you can see it in their eyes that they believe the same things that you believe. You come to BitBlock Boom once, you're gonna come every year. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. As I said earlier, I'm your host Gary Leland also known as the Bitcoin Boomer. Now, this show is the Bitcoin Boomer show, not because it's for boomers, but I'm a boomer. <laughs> we like to talk about Bitcoin, of course. Now, today's show, we have Doug Morton from South Carolina, creator of BTC Retail X, fellow Bitcoiner, and uh, a friend of mine. He's going to come on, and we're going to talk about something that's new to me. So hopefully you find this interesting. Doug, welcome to the show. 
Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. I hope things are going well for you guys there in South Carolina. you got a lot going on there, a lot more than a lot of other states, and you seem to be right in the middle of it. Before we get into all that, though, please give everybody like a short bio, a rundown of who's Doug Morton. Yeah, I, um, I'm a techie at heart. Uh, I've been uh, doing tech support all of my life, uh, building, you know, starting when I was a teenager, uh, some minor hacking. Uh, and uh, running a bulletin board system way back in the day on a modem, and then uh, started building computers. And uh, quickly, um, I got hired by AT&T as one of my first tech jobs in support, and then just started building skills over the years um, throughout all that time. Uh, so I've been doing it for 30 years now. And um, started getting into Bitcoin around 2017, and um, just everything revolves around tech and bitcoin for me now um from uh, private personal as well as public and uh, business orientations so anything i can do i'm i'm all in if it's tech <laughs> and bitcoin we got a lot in common there i got into uh tech and or uh, e-commerce in 96 almost 30 years ago um and uh i got into bitcoin in early to mid 2017 and now everything I do is Bitcoin related. So we, we followed kind of a similar path. I just followed it at an older age than you, I guess. But uh, we were on the same track there for sure. That's why we probably get along so well. We've experienced a lot of the same things in life as time has gone by. Um, how did you find out about Bitcoin? What was your orange pill moment? Uh, well, I think back in uh, early 17, uh, during the bull run, uh, I had heard of Bitcoin and uh, pretty much put it to the side. <laughs> I think uh, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, so I started going down the altcoin route, mainly because it was cheaper. Uh, you know, Ethereum was out there and I actually started mining Ethereum for a few months and uh, bought a mining rig and um, started uh, basically gambling on the altcoins thinking I would be finding value and utility of some of these. Because I, I understood the concept that the altcoins were, were speculative at best. But I kind of thought, you know, if I'm going to be spending money on these, I'm going to actually find some utility tokens out there that may actually have value. Not really understanding, you know, the whole scene, but just trying to find, okay, you know, back in the gold rush, you know, in uh, California, it was the shovel makers or the shovel sellers that were making money. So I figured I'd do the same thing, find utility providers. And um, every one of them got wrecked. Uh, they got scammed. They got um, hacked. They got uh, their, their, their coins got stolen. And uh, one of them, I remember, it was like $300,000 got taken out uh, by some hacker. And uh, he basically tried to blackmail the company. You're not really blackmail, but, you know, say, hey, uh, I found a bug in your system. I'm going to take the three hundred thousand dollars. You'll need to pay me thirty, and I'll give it back. And, um, and then he, you know, just that kind of black hat stuff, as well as you know, your your programming is only as good as your the experience of your developers. And so I was never really comfortable with it. And um, I started doing day trading of coins too, and that was horrible at best because you're spending so much time trying to find you know do research on these tokens uh, hoping to find one that works and it ended up i mean i was looking at a monitor every every hour 
I'd be waking up in the middle of the night looking, okay, what's what's it doing in China right now? 2 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever, uh, just trying to keep up. And um, I ended up stumbling on uh, Der Gigi uh, and a, twi- a tweet of his that basically said, hey, if you're stressed out and you're spending all this time looking at the monitor and just trying to keep up, you're probably in it for the wrong reason. And there's something better out there, you know, this thing called Bitcoin. And um, here's 21 lessons. And so I kind of like, you know, the light bulb went off and uh, I was like, yeah, it sounds just like me. He's talking, speaking to the choir at the moment. Let me figure it out. And uh, as soon as I read his 21 lessons, uh, I was all in. I was in the rabbit hole and started just researching everything else. And um, I'd already sold the Ethereum rig because that thing kept crashing every week. I'd have to, you know, it's very hard to troubleshoot. Um, The coins just kept getting ripped off. And uh, so then I started all in trying to learn more about Bitcoin, trying to buy it, uh, you know, figure it out. I wasn't mining it at the time and um, just trying to learn more. So that, that's basically my orange bill. I, I, I have a lot of thanks and gratitude for Dirt Gigi for basically putting that light bulb moment in my head. Well, you know, uh, to um, go all in. you're talking about 2017 there. That was the ICO craze. Mm-hmm. And so many yep. people got crushed in the IC craze, and I had some crap too. So uh, that was around the time I was yep. getting into it. And I think, I actually think, or at least ways then, maybe there's more education now, that that was a very easy thing to do to go, wow, if Bitcoin went from a nickel to $20,000 or $19,900, whatever it hit back then in that year, all I got to do is find one that's a penny or a half a penny, and it only has to go to five cents. You know, and I can make a lot of money. Uh, And I think a lot of people naturally thought that way, and then they all got wrecked slowly but surely, lost everything, Mm -hmm. whether it was hacked or whether it was just a scam to begin with or whether it just crashed or whatever. So I think a lot of people learned the hard way on that. Um, So Yeah, and and I think a lot of people still learn the hard way on that, though. I don't think people are through trying to think they can go the easy route. But getting into your statement there, you... Uh, you know, their DG, I believe he has the book now, 21 Lessons, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a good book. I read that about a year ago. Um, give me your definition of what is Bitcoin real quick. Um, I get all kind of answers on this. I mean, it's amazing how many answers I get on this that are so different. But to Doug Morton, what is Bitcoin? Uh, you know, it, it's such a deep subject that, you know, to put it down into a nutshell from my thinking and how I use it now is that it's freedom and it's empowerment. Uh, and, and I more focus on the empowerment part of it uh, because of how I've seen it used outside the U.S., um, you know, in El Salvador, and then how these emerging uh, markets are building up with Bitcoin as well in Africa, South America, Central America. Um, but, you know, we as Americans are uh, you know, jaded, cynical, um, and not really needing uh, Bitcoin because we've had the stable dollar. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that we're not needing Bitcoin. It's more along the lines that you know, 99% of the population out there doesn't really see it as a day-to-day method of payment. Um, you know, they, Americans are using it as, a, um, a, as an asset, a growth asset. And when we step outside of the United States and start seeing how it is being used on a day-to-day basis as a method of payment, 
um, because, you know, for the unbanked that are out there, um, you know, it's powerful stuff. It's, um, you know, watching the organic growth of Bitcoin, let's say Bitcoin Beach or uh, how me Premier Bitcoin is teaching it in El Salvador, how um, Bitcoin Akasi is doing it in Africa, uh, Bitcoin Lake, all those Philippines. I mean, they've got like, they onboarded like 250 businesses in the Philippines uh, to take Bitcoin, which uh, is outstanding um, because, you know, they're, they're, their people are seeing these high rates of inflation uh, where we're not experiencing quite the same amount inside the U.S. We're at that uh, Cantillion effect where we're, you know, as you get away from the creation of the dollar, you're feeling more of the effects of the inflation um, taking a bite out of your savings. And so I, I see it as being more important outside the U.S., but slowly organically inside the U.S. Oh. Well, that's um, a good answer. You know, it's uh, not just Bitcoin's money or Bitcoin's whatever. It's a good answer for that. So I appreciate you giving us a good definition there. Yeah, Bitcoin is, we're jaded here in the U.S. because we have a bank on every corner. That's not the whole world for sure. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer, joined today by Doug Morton out of South Carolina. Uh, Doug, now, when we ended up that session there, we were talking about what is Bitcoin, and I mentioned um, that you didn't say something like it's just money. So let me ask you real quick, is Bitcoin money? <laughs> I personally think that it is. Um, I've, I've heard the arguments that people don't want it to be described as money. Um, but I use it as money. Um, I'm, I, you know, because I'm in the ecosystem, I build on it every day. And um, so I see it as an asset. I see it as a, a method of accounting and I see it as money. Um, you know, being able to transmit it and send value um, digitally, uh, instantly on Lightning, on chain, a little longer. But um, I totally see it as money. And, um, you know, all the tools that I'm building on my software and how I use it on a personal basis. Uh, is all about transmitting value. So I consider that money. Well, now, getting back to something we talked about in the first segment again, and something I saw on your site, uh, on your Twitter page, you had a reference to there's Bitcoin and there's cryptocurrency. Um, can you tell me the difference between the two real quick? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Bitcoin was the original cryptocurrency. Um, but the problem that we run into is that, um, and just all the negative effects of crypto over the years with altcoin craze, ICOs, and the, the people getting wrecked, uh, there's a huge negative connotation for the term cryptocurrency. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I totally completely believe that it's on purpose when politicians are bad-mouthing Bitcoin and not really by saying it, but lumping it in with cryptocurrency because of all the fraud out there. Uh, you know, Bitcoin itself is not a fraudulent thing. It's a tool. And um, it, all the altcoins that are out there being pre-mined, um, being uh, leveraged, uh, the FTX scandal, the Terra Lunas, um, you know, the Mt. Gox, all the negativity that you've seen over the years has all been based on something happening by somebody manipulating. Uh, and 
Bitcoin at its core is not that. And, and even the Fed uh, had sent out a note. Um, there was a letter that was uh, describing uh, Bitcoin specifically in crime use and that it was minuscule, less than 1%. And they actually made the point in this Fed response to something that Senator Warren sent out that by far 99% of the crime out there is by the U.S. dollar. Not not Bitcoin, and you know. The, so I, I I still come back to that that you know there there's definitely a push to lump Bitcoin in there to make it the bad guy, um, but to me it's an amazing technology, um, and you know like I said people are the fraudulent ones, and uh, that's where I see the negative uh, connotation in cryptocurrency, uh, just based on all the fraud that's out there. Well, you know, uh, Bitcoin is only, what, half a trillion dollars worth of Bitcoin. I don't know how many trillion dollars in dollars, U.S. dollars there are. Yeah, so the odds are there's yeah. going to be a lot more crime done with that. Everyone in the world accepts the U.S. dollar, and you don't have to do anything. And it's untrackable. Yeah. Bitcoin is trackable, and a small percent of the population even know what it is. So to, for people to say that crime is done with that just shows they're either ignorant or they just have another agenda, but they, they, they do. They're, they're not telling it like it is. Um, and, you know, I heard of a story down in Colombia when the drug business was at a different point or at cocaine, when they had to drop off so many at the bank, they figured out that $2 million or a million dollars, whatever the amount was, would fit in a Samsonite suitcase. That you could stuff that up with money and it was a million dollars or so close to it, they didn't care they had so much money coming in. So they cut the bank windows, the teller windows, where you slide the money under, you slide that money under it. They cut that to the size of a Samsonite suitcase. So they could go in the bank and just push suitcases through. Now, that's, that's showing that it's being used for crime when they do stuff like that. Hey, we got about five minutes left in this segment, and I want to go over something really kind of quick here that I saw you made a post on, and I'm hoping you studied it a little bit. You made a post about the IMF and the DCMA universe unveils a universal monetary unit to reinforce banking. Could, do you know anything about that, or did you just see that and repost it? Hopefully, you know something about it. Uh, I didn't ask you ahead well, of time. I, no, no, it's okay. It's um, you know, it's it, the CBDC, the CBDC thing uh, um, is is scary to me, um, and you know that's what it falls back into. Um, you know, manipulation of the money, putting expiration uh, on somebody's money through CBDCs, forcing people to spend it or causing, you know, giving a social score for the usage of a CBDC. And, um, you know, this ties into IMF. Uh, this article that I had posted uh, specifically talked about uh, CBDCs and being able, I think, I don't know if the, the term was manipulation, but it was definitely a definition of that in this article. Um, where it, it's scary because they actually put in that letter out by the IMS saying that it was going to be AI powered. And artificial intelligence right now is only as good as the data that goes in it. And it's biased, um, which, you know, IMF is biased as well. And I've written many articles over the years uh, regarding IMF posts uh, and how, how they're so negative about Bitcoin uh, and that they regurgitate the same stuff over and over and over you know, and primarily it focuses on the uh uh you know the negatives of bitcoin from drug you know facilitating drug use um, 
money laundering, uh, prostitution, whatever, all the negative things that Bitcoin was purported to be done with, you know, 10 years ago. And um, so IMF just keeps throwing that out. And now they're incorporating CBDC because they know that they can manipulate it. Um, so if they don't want you ship spending your money on certain things, and um, they'll they'll push that. They'll say, okay, you can't spend this CBDC on this. And they'll push the point of sale systems out there to enforce those rules. And um, if people don't really believe that that can happen, oh, they're 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 pretending. They're they're an ostrich. They're with their head in the sand. Uh, so this article, uh, basically, they state, they tell you what they want to do. I mean, it's, it's in that in that article that they want an AI power and they want to be able to manipulate currency uh, for whatever central bank needs are, are wanted. So I find the whole thing scary. <laughs> I find it extremely scary. I'm wondering when when that comes out, do you have to take dollars down to the bank and cash them in or? You know, or, or do you just like, you're going to spend what you have and then you're not going to get any more after a while. You know what I mean? There'll be an expiration date on it. There'll be, okay, yeah. dollars are no good. Paper dollars are no good after January the 1st, 2026 or something like mm -hmm. that. And then everything's tracked. So um, if they don't have enough tracking already, that is kind of like the ultimate tracking that they can have. And then they can turn off your money if they don't like you're doing like Canada did with the uh, Canadian truckers. They were protesting, uh, lawful protests, as far as I, I would think in the U.S., just because you don't like the way they were doing it doesn't mean it wasn't uh, a protest. And then they just froze all the money in their bank account. You know, I've talked to people from Canada who didn't have a problem with that. They said, yeah, they were causing trouble. They needed to have their money frozen. And I'm going, dude, that's not like a good um, start point, a good thing to let happen at all. Yeah. Well, the uh, Canadian thing, though, it's, it comes back down to culture. So, you know, 275 years ago when the United States was formed, you know, we had the Bill of Rights. Uh, but people were going to Canada uh, way back then who weren't really, um, you know, they, they weren't patriots. They were, you know, uh, United uh, Britain's, uh, you know, loyalists and uh, as well as French and, you know, a couple other uh nationalities that went up there. So they didn't have the same Bill of Rights thinking up there. And um, but, you know, when these Canadians are protesting, and I think the, there's kind of a joke going on there is that Canadians, because they're the nice, you know, one of the nicest nationalities out there, that their protesters were incredibly nice. I mean, they're giving coffee and donuts to policemen uh, on the front line. And um, but when their money was frozen, Rich people in Canada took their money out of the banks at that point because they're like, "Oh, holy cow! If these people are freezing these these you know uh, protesters and calling them terrorists. That's putting my money at risk too in this country." And so I had heard that basically the money was flat fleeing out of Canada, and um, that forced Trudeau's government to uh, you know unfreeze that money. Well, as I say, it's a scary thing. The fact that the president was set. Okay, now we're gonna take a break. A word from our sponsor, please join us. We'll be right back with Doug and a really interesting topic. Thanks. Grandpa, why do you have so much Bitcoin? Well, it all started in the year 2023 when I attended a conference called BitBlockBoom. What's BitBlockBoom, Grandpa? It was a conference where people talked about Bitcoin. This was way back when we used something called the US dollar for money. What? Bitcoin wasn't always the world's money? If it weren't for great speakers at BitBlockBoom like Jimmy Song, Adam Curry, and Preston Pish, 
We'd all be living in pods and eating bugs. Instead, I was able to avoid fiat enslavement and secure generational wealth. F***ing legend. Be the legend your grandchildren deserve. Experience the best Bitcoin conference out there and join the Bitcoin revolution. Bitblock Boom, the only conference for true Bitcoin maximalists. Book your tickets today at bitblockboom.com and use the code BBB1 for a special discount. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. Today we have a great show going for you. But before we bring on our guests back on, I do want to remind you, I do this every week. Please tell anyone you know who you think might learn from this show about the show. If you're listening to the podcast, tell them about the podcast. If you're watching the show, tell them about the show. Our goal on this show is to educate you and anyone out there that we can about Bitcoin. We're not selling you Bitcoin. We're just educating you about Bitcoin. So please share this show with your friends. And now, Doug, welcome back to the show. I do want to um, ask you about a topic. I, I, I find this really interesting, and I didn't know about this topic. The Catawaba, is that right? Catawaba Indian Nation. Is that right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? It, it's uh, Catawba. Indian nation. Well, if you see any of the people from the tribe, tell them I apologize for uh, destroying the, the name of their tribe. Um, tell us about what they're doing. I was not familiar with this at all. And I think this is pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I'm, a, I'm on the group called the South Carolina Emerging Tech Association, and we're um, uh, all about a variety of different emerging tech. So Bitcoin is a part of that, but we also talked to, um, about uh, the decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs. Uh, we also talk, facilitate Bitcoin mining, uh, energy, and so on. Um, as part of that outreach that we do, or one of the initiatives, is uh, we've, um, we've stumbled upon Catawba Indian Nation and what they're doing. Uh, they've created a digital economic zone uh, and they're based out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, and it kind of falls over into Charlotte as well in North Carolina. Um, but they've created a um, basically a, a digital footprint that they want to be uh, the establishment of biz business and uh, incorporation uh, and compete with uh, groups like uh, you know, Delaware or even Wyoming and create uh, digital autonomous organizations, uh, business uh, incorporation. And they're also contemplating putting together a Bitcoin bank, uh, similar to what um, Caitlin Long is trying to do, uh, where you know assets would be 100% backed. And um, you know they've got a variety of press releases that they've been putting out over the past month, uh, talking about this, these initiatives. And um, it's basically to show that you know they're thinking about the future, they're embracing a digital future. And, uh, you know, they want others to see what they're trying to do, you know, to, to boost their own economy, of course, uh, but to show them what, what's possible. And so they're actually going to be um, uh, partnering with us with South Carolina Emerging Tech at Bitcoin Miami in May uh, at our booth. So one of the several initiatives that we're going to be uh, showcasing, basically. So are they doing this just, um, uh, are they, are they? Is there like, I don't, I don't know how the nation and the tribe is set up. Is there like an area where people live with like in El Salvador and their shops and everything except Bitcoin now? Or are they going to go to try to do something like that? Or are there shops at all? Or is it just more of uh, the nation, people just live there and it's considered nation land? Uh, um, well, from my, my brief understanding is that it's a nation of 3,000 people. 
in in Rock Hill. Um, they've got a variety of businesses. I don't believe they've embraced Bitcoin as far as a method of payment. Um, I don't think that's even part of the discussion. Uh, I believe what it is is that you know they're wanting to look at the establishment of a Bitcoin bank, um, but that also incorporates the economy and trying to build. Um, you know, if that incorporates point of sale systems or payment methods or payment rails, that's all going to be part of the discussion. Uh, but I believe the main focus right now is that they want to establish uh, basically a Bitcoin bank. And uh, they also want to do this digital economic zone facilitating a variety of different technologies um, just to help, you know, put that footprint out there. I, and I assume, and I said this to you earlier before the show when we were having our pre-talk, I assume this is possible because they fall, whatever whatever law of them being a sovereign nation that helps Indian reservations have mm -hmm. casinos, when the state yep. doesn't allow casinos, is the same principle here that they're mm -hmm. using. Exactly. And so yeah. uh, basically because of that, I guess the U.S. government legally can never come in and tell them to quit messing around with Bitcoin. Well, <laughs> if you've seen history's history uh, with Indian nations <clears throat> in the U.S., um, you know, they uh, I, I believe it was reestablished in like the 60s um, that the sovereignty and giving land back to the Indian uh, nations or it might even been the 80s. Actually, uh, there was a point at some uh, I think in the, it was either the 40s or the 60s. I just read about it. Uh, where basically, uh, you know, the U.S. government was trying to assimilate all the Indian uh, uh, Indians into the U.S., and that meant they were trying to stomp out their native languages. They were trying to stomp out their culture, and um, then, like twenty to thirty years later, they re I guess you know I, I, I don't I don't get the whole background of it, but um, you know, people started understanding that this is not right. We shouldn't be doing this. And so I believe in the 80s, uh, there was a push to actually get Indian land back to the Indians, uh, as opposed to just like 30 acres, they were given a, a lot more. Um, and so, you know, they, it's a tragic history, but that also shows you government doesn't stop. You know, the government will keep taking as much as they can. And it's, got, it's up to people, you know, resisting in their own ways, whether it's digital, uh, you know, Bitcoin, whether it's uh, freedom, it's rights, uh, whatever you want out of it uh, to to slow down the encroachment of government rules and regulations. Um, and I'm not saying this, you know, in a legal manner. It's more about, you know, they, they rights are taken as because we don't resist. You know, we have our First Amendment rights. We have, well, the Bill of Rights and um, you know, the legal search and seizure. All of those rules are put into place to protect us from government encroachment, but we allow the government to take it bit by bit by bit. And, um, you know, the Bitcoin thing, um, you know, they'll never stop it fully, but, you know, the government will push to, uh, you know, on the, the on ramps and off ramps and what what those are going to be allowed to do will be, a, you know, uh, a problem. Um, so, you know, trying to get to the Bitcoin standard as quick as possible is kind of my thinking. Um, but I had seen the other day that um, there was uh, the White House chief, uh, the White House chief of digital. I, I can't remember what her title was, but she basically said she wants more miners in the, into the United States so they can actually censor transactions, um, which is scary 
I mean, this was actually coming from a government official saying, yes, we want more miners in the U.S. Um, so we can censor it under U.S. law. And um, so you know that there's an active push out there. And so that, tell, that tells me, okay, well, we may have like 45% of the mining capability right now. We definitely got to get it outside of the United States to make sure that this stays below 50%. Um, uh, that's interesting. I saw, yeah. I think it was Mark Moss had a, uh, a show, I saw it on his show, I can't be sure, about that if uh, the U.S. did decide to take over Bitcoin, they wouldn't necessarily go after everybody's Bitcoin because that would be almost impossible. They would go after mm -hmm. the mining and take over all the mining facilities. And then they'd yeah. control 47% of the hash power. But uh, according to Mark, that still wouldn't be, a, well, of course, it's not 50%, it's not so you're not going to do a 51% attack. But they still wouldn't have control of the nodes and everything they need. It would still not work out for them. But that's funny. You're saying about yeah. the mining machines. I just heard that last week from another uh, person who I consider a smart person on his opinions. And uh, I, don't think, I don't think they could take everybody's Bitcoin like they did gold. Number one, back then, everybody was more of a patriot. And if the president said, we needed your gold, you gladly gave it up, even though they doubled the value of it and you got wrecked you know, because of it. But I don't yeah. see people in today's times being quite as willing to just give away their stuff as they were back in the days of Roosevelt. Yeah, I would agree with that because, you know, I, I was actually listening, I listened to a podcast on this exact subject where, you know, families were, you know, they would have gold and, uh, you know, it would be stored in a backyard or whatever. Um, and, and then, you know, some people would still keep a trinket of gold, maybe a family heirloom or whatever, which was technically illegal. You know, if they had like a $20 gold piece and it was passed, uh, you know, as a wedding present or whatever, they would keep that. Well, I think, um, I, I think you could keep legally four ounces of gold, um, uh, when, okay. when it was done from what I understand and jewelers could have gold to sell. So you could have gold jewelry since they were allowed to have gold to make jewelry out of. But we'll get right back into that after this word from our sponsor. So please stay tuned. And like I said, please share this show with your friends. Welcome to the Bitcoin Conference Challenge. Today, we're teleporting Bitcoiners like you to two different Bitcoin conferences, and you'll get to experience them firsthand. Let's take you to Conference A. Hmm, it's okay. Some interesting speakers and workshops, but there's a foul odor in the air. What is that smell? Interesting. Now let's take you to Conference B. Wow, this one is amazing. The atmosphere is electric, the speakers are great, and the workshops are fantastic. Ah, and the smell. It's so nice to fill your lungs with freedom. Congratulations. You've just experienced the difference between a Bitcoin shitcoin conference and BitBlockBoom, the longest-running Bitcoin-only conference. Book your tickets today at BitBlockBoom.com and use the code BBB1 for a special discount. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. Joined today by Doug Morton. Doug, welcome back. Sorry we had to cut that off there in the middle of that conversation. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that the average person could keep four ounces because I've heard several people over the time saying when their grandmother turned in their gold, they kept three ounces, one for each kid, and that you could have four or something like that. And I know jewelers for no doubt could keep it to make jewelry out of it because not only did I see that, I knew a guy who uh, had like, uh, you could keep jewelry. He took all his gold in and had like a thousand rings made. 
<laughs> he'd walk around wearing a different ring every day and he'd, he'd sell the ring, you know, so because uh, he had just jewelry, technically. I don't know. I'm sure that's one yeah. of those things that you would get in trouble for getting around it, whatever. Um, I want to talk about South Carolina a little bit now. Um, first of all, how is the Charleston Bitcoin Meetup group doing? I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, so I joined that to keep up with what you guys are doing there. Um, you seem to have a meetup on a regular basis there. How's that coming along? If I ever come to Charleston, I'm definitely going to a meetup group uh, meeting there. So how's that coming along? <laughs> um, it's it's good. It's um, I, I took over the Charleston Bitcoin meetup, uh, must have been a year and a half ago or so. And, um, you know, we used to, uh, pre-COVID, we would meet at a pizza joint and it was a social thing. And we'd have 35, 40 people show up. Uh, once a month, and uh, post COVID, things changed a little bit, and we had we ended up having to move a location. So uh, we're we're currently now meeting on the second Saturday of every month, and we have anywhere from say ten to thirty people, uh, depending on the topic or if we have a guest. So if we have a politician coming in, or if we have a Bitcoiner coming in that's from out of state, uh, we'll definitely get thirty thirty five people show up. Uh, but uh, our core group, around ten to fifteen people a month. Uh, show up, but we also do a variety of pop-up meetings. So we'll do, um, uh, besides our second Saturday thing, which is a combination of both social as well as an educational topic. So like last month we talked, we did a lightning round table basically and passed sats around the table uh, amongst you know, the group that was there. Um, prior to that though, you know, we had, um, you know, our, our Congresswoman Nancy Mace had showed up at one of the at Bitcoin pizza day last year. Um, to talk about what her initiatives are uh, uh, from a congressional standpoint. Um, but our focus, or at least mine as the leader now, is basically to teach Bitcoin uh, and educate uh, and, and provide you know, reading material, references, um, and just guidance as well as interaction, social thing, uh, where we're handing out little Bitcoin book. We're handing out uh, uh, Bitcoin in the American Dream. We're handing out um, 21 lessons, and um, but then also trying to get people to think about it more, and also to push out. You know, every every store you go to, say, you know, ask somebody, "Do you guys take Bitcoin?" Simple question starts the conversation. Um, you know, generally you're going to hear no, and um, but that starts the conversation where you can say, "Well, you know, why not? Can I show you a couple things?" And um, well, that's kind of, of what we're trying to push. Speaking of that, um, to jump jump subjects there, when you meet at some place, you ask them to accept Bitcoin. And of course, I've never run into anyone who said, yeah, I accept it all the time. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah. is that also something where your um, company, BTC Retail X, falls into play? With a person like that, they say, hey, I'm interested in Bitcoin. Would, would that be something? Can you tell us about BTCX Retail or BTC Retail X and how sure. that might fall into play in that situation? Yeah, definitely. So my, uh, my professional background is retail point of sale. And so I've been doing it for 15 to 17 years. And um, so my belief on this is that it, um, in order to facilitate Bitcoin as a payment method, we have to have the tools out there. And, you know, uh, a lot of companies are building applications like Strike, you know, um, Oshi, the Oshi app, uh, doing their own ways of facilitating either as a payment rail or as a gift card. Um, but me, my background being retail point of sale, I wanted to build a system that would allow 
uh, Bitcoin to be part of the discussion from a retail owner standpoint, uh, as well as like commercial. So um, I'll talk a little bit about that. But um, the system as a point of sale, you know, you need to be able to accept Bitcoin, but you also need to be able to price it. So, you know, if you've got if you're taking in $20, but you don't know how many sacks that ends up being, it's kind of, you know, a little confusing. And so what one of my goals uh, with uh, the point of sale was to show uh, the, not just the dollar or local currency, but also to show how many sats that equals. Uh, so if you have a $20 item, uh, then that's going to be uh, 45,000 sats, whatever that, the rate is right now. Um, and so it'll show it in the point of sale. It'll show it on the receipts. It'll show it on, you know, yeah however you want to do it, if it's an invoice or it's a work order. And so we're trying to facilitate every Bitcoin tool that's basically out there and throw it into this point of sale system um, to make it as easy as possible to orange pill uh, a store owner. And where that's important is that the point of sale itself doesn't push Bitcoin, um, but it's definitely a method to say, hey, this is a payment rail where you know, one of the rules of retail is that you don't let the money walk out the door. And so if you don't accept certain payment methods, you know, if you're not accepting payments on Square or uh, you know, Venmo or you know, Bitcoin, then, you know, if somebody doesn't have an alternative, they don't have a credit card for whatever reason, they wanted to offer it on you take cash app and uh, or for me, take Bitcoin, you're letting that money walk out the door. And um, because there's so many tools out there right now that'll convert Bitcoin to cash if you want it and without the capital gains incentive as well, or the, the bite of the capital gain, because uh, they're transmitting the money instantly. Uh, so there's a lot of counter argument uh, to accepting Bitcoin, um, and we're just facilitating accepting it. And uh, it, I mean, it comes with like, from what I've seen, when I saw in Naples, we saw each other, you have an, I can I don't want to say it's a cash register because it's not. It's Bitcoin, but it's like a mm -hmm. uh, register with a printer. And I mean, it's not just like people accepting it on their phone. I mean, this is right. like made for retail yeah. locations. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, it, it's hardware agnostic technically. So we can put it on any device. So the device that you're showing on the screen now is an Android tablet uh, register. And so I have that in use at a variety of customers now. and um, you know, it's 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 inexpensive, and so it's you know the average system right now. If you used uh, say QuickBooks Point of Sale, uh, uh, you're you're going to be spending four thousand dollars per unit. That's the software, that's the hardware uh, consultation to get it installed. Where this device is basically uh, six hundred dollars, and uh, you could be self-installed as well as full-service installed. So uh, we've got a mobile device that does it as well. And um, or it can go on your your standard desktop PC or standard point of sale system that you see at any register now, any store. Well, from what I saw, it looked like you'd put a lot of work into it, and that it was an amazing thing. And I really believe stores need to get on the Bitcoin bandwagon and the Bitcoin train for sure. And this looks like a way to help them. Hey. We only got like a minute and a half left here. How can people find out about this, follow you, give us everything so people can keep up with what you're doing? Uh, primarily, I am um, Twitter right now, but I also do Noster. But uh, Twitter, my handle is BruiseBitcoin, Brube with a, as a, like a beer, uh, B-R-E-W-S, Bitcoin. And um, I talk about beer, I'm a fan, <laughs> and I talk about technology and Bitcoin. 
the point of sale system is btcretailx.com. And um, um, I'm also, uh, it has its own Twitter page, but I'm also with the Charleston Bitcoin group as well. So you can see me on Twitter for that as well. And then it has all my links for Nostra. Um, one of the cool things that we're looking to implement with point of sale systems messaging via Nostra. So uh, it can send invoices over it, it can take payments over it. Uh, so if you want to facilitate that kind of new technology, uh, we'll be doing that as well. well the, uh, I'm excited I think about the, that. Uh, Average person watching this show, they're in the Bitcoin, don't know what Nostra is. The rest of them have no idea what we're talking about here. So hopefully yes. that comes along soon in a stronger method and more people find out about it. It's kind of like Twitter back in 2004. I remember we kept saying, only if Britney Spears or somebody would get on here, we would, this thing would grow. And uh, I guess people like that got on there and it, it grew. So we just get to, need to get yeah. Nostra to that point. Doug? I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I look forward to seeing you in Miami. I hope you join us Friday or Saturday for our coffee meetups down there in Miami. Um, but I'll definitely see you, and I want to talk to some people from the Indian Nation in South Carolina. I won't butcher their name again. Thanks for joining us, Doug. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. And welcome back to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. Had a great show today. Before we go any further, I do want to say, though, I was just informed that during the show, I referred to the Catawba tribe, which I know I'm coming wrong as an Indian nation, and that may be disrespectful and no disrespect was meant. Sorry, I'm just a boomer, and I guess that name word is frozen in my mind, and I shouldn't have it frozen in there. So I apologize to anyone who might have been offended by that. that definitely, anyone who knows me knows that was not my intention. Now, I do want to tell you about a few things we have going on. First of all, we have BitBlock Boom. BitBlock Boom is a conference I do every year. It's in Austin. This is our sixth year, and this is the longest-running Bitcoin conference on the planet. So if you're interested in Bitcoin and you want to go to Austin, Texas for a three-day Bitcoin event, check out bitblockboom.com. This is a Bitcoin event, not a cryptocurrency event. I also want to tell you about Sats Cards at thesatcardshop.com. This is a great item to give away Bitcoin. If you want to give Bitcoin as a stocking stuffer, as a birthday present, check out satscardshop.com. You are going to love this item. It's great. It's made by CoinKite, a name you know you can trust. Now, if you're trying to orange pill somebody or teach someone about Bitcoin, as with Doug earlier, he had read uh, articles that became a book called 21 Lessons. Well, I have a book I've written with friends of mine called Bitcoin and the American Dream. So if you're trying to spread the word about Bitcoin, you may want to get a copy of this book. I've had people order 10 and 20 copies so they could share them with people. But check out BitcoinandTheAmericanDream.com. This is a great book. You can read it on a flight. It's not too heavy. It goes over a lot of great subjects written by eight great Bitcoiners. We were all just really good friends. And also, I want to make sure that you know you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Gary Leland. That's where I am most of the time is I'm on Twitter. And one last thing. I know I'm sharing a lot here, but you need to know, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come to one of my meetups. I have a meetup in Fort Worth. I have a meetup in Dallas. We do one in each city every month. Go to meetup.com slash it 
block boom. In, the two, in a week, we have a barbecue meetup in Dallas. Great barbecue. So check out meetup.com slash bitblockboom. I'm your host, Gary Leland. With the help of Stephanie, my producer, once again, she does a great job, so I need to thank her more often than I do. But uh, and thanks to Doug for coming on the show. And remember, share the show with your friends. That's all I ask. You know, we want to get the word out. We want to educate people. If Bitcoin does what I think it's going to do, you don't want them left behind.